0: Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Molly Birchall, Communications Executive of the Chartered Insurance Institute. In this episode, I'll be talking to Matt Connell, William Cobell, and Richard Napoli. In this episode of the podcast, we are discussing lessons learned from the COVID-19 pandemic, looking specifically at business interruption claims and best practice guidance issued by the Financial Conduct Authority. We are joined by Society of Claims Professionals Board members, William quibell Head of Supply Chain and Admiral Loss Adjusting Services at Admiral Group, and Richard Napoli, Claims and Legal Services Director at Markel, and the CII's Director of Policy and Public Affairs, Dr. Matt Connell. Here is my conversation with William, Richard and Matt. Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Matt, could you start by telling us uh, the findings from the Financial Conduct Authority regarding business interruption claims as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Hi, yes. So um, this was a piece of work uh, that the FCA published in the last quarter of of last year based on on their their review of, of, of what firms have been doing. And I think the, the important thing to say is that the FCA uh, found that there were lots of areas of good practice um, from firms. I think reading the media on on business interruption, uh, could people could easily be excused for thinking that it was all bad news. But the FCA did find some some really important areas of of, of good practice. For example, they found that firms were quick to move. Um, resources to to priority business areas so so they did respond to the overall issue uh and also they empowered members of claims teams to 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 make uh, intermediate payments to to to, to keep businesses uh, afloat in in the early weeks of a, a of a claim uh and so you know that they they did shift and and were agile in in making sure that that consumer needs were were met in those respects. And there were some areas where the FCA sort of challenged insurers to do better as well. So um, areas like collecting management information, particularly management information um, from from third parties to, to look at Reviewing um, the, the the quality of a claim, not just in terms of whether the claim was paid or not, but in terms of the overall um, customer experience, and to um, tailor customer communications to the recipient, and and, and in particular uh, customers that have um, characteristics of, of of vulnerability. So a huge amount of of good good practice and and areas for for improvement there that I think are relevant to business interruption, but possibly wider as well.
0: Thank you, Matt. Yeah, that's really concise. Um, Richard and William, what are your thoughts on these?
2: I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any surprise to anyone what the FCA ended up coming out and saying. Um, you know, everybody knows there was instances of bad practice, but there are also instances of good practice. Um, the one thing I did particularly like about what the FCA said was that you need to put the customer and good customer outcomes at the forefront of your claims process. And I do feel that on the majority of instances, those insurers that have Come out of COVID in a good place. Did that? It really highlighted the difference between good and bad insurers. Though, this one key statement. Um, just,
3: just, just to add to what, what Richard said, I think there's obviously not a, a great deal of good that has come out of COVID. And uh, and as Matt said earlier, whilst whilst the SCA's uh, review did find lots of good practices, what they're really looking for uh, is for comfort. Uh, that regulated firms are handling claims properly and fairly and treating customers fairly and um, acting in the best interests of customers as set out by various rules, including ICOBS. Um And whilst they did acknowledge <laughs> that uh, there was an unprecedented number of claims because of the pandemic, uh, they did find some, some issues across, across the board in many respects, uh, mainly surrounding customer outcomes and how regulated firms are acknowledging and understanding uh, the breadth and depth of customer outcomes, uh, whether they're positive or, or negative. And I think some CO letters were sent out as well. And and, and generally, what, what this has found um, is that there is some, some room for improvement um, across, across the market, particularly with how firms are tracking those customer outcomes and understanding what's happening in the customer element of the journey, as opposed to just simply focusing on um, on kind of generic mi and data um, which tells them where a tranche of claim claims are so it's very much focused on on the good for the customer and, and and how the customer journey can be improved going forward through those lessons learned
0: okay thank you and as part of the findings good practice was also published could you tell us some of the key recommendations this gives insurers matt would you like to answer first
1: yeah so i think one one area is um if we look at where the where the FCA is coming from in terms of Overall, good practice uh, as as part of its uh, conduct work, um, it talks about four four key areas: um, monitoring customers' experience, analysing the the results of that, learning from it, uh, and then and then changing the the, the proposition that the overall service to, uh, to to customers. And I think there's elements of there in, in all those four headings. You can see uh, how how some of the experience of this. So, for example, in in terms of the way. Uh, firms monitor, uh, as William was saying, it's it's about really looking at individual customers' experience or the c- experience of specific uh, elements of, of of customers. So the FCA was 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 talking about, in particular, um, the speed with which claims were being processed for for a particular number of uh, of claimants, and that might be a very small um, proportion of firms' overall claimants, but but where there are particular issues for for a particular group, um, it's it wants. Uh, firms, am I to be able to, to to really zero in on on that group in 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 detail, uh, and then you know kind of having the having the ability to to analyze that that data. So so where where that news is coming in, who's who's looking at it and discussing it, what level in the in the firm is 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 that happening? Is that happening at uh, exec or board level, or, or or is it not reaching there? And if not, um, why not? And and under senior management rules, you know who's who's responsible for for making sure that 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 Data uh, gets to the right people, and uh, what kind of oversight do they have? What kind of involvement they could have to, to to make it improve in in future? And and then you know, kind of going through and, and learning the lessons from that, and uh, updating the proposition. So some of the things that the FCA have said is you know, kind of policy wordings uh, were, were were they as helpful as they could have been um, in terms of product governance and oversight of outsourced services? Uh, are, are firms learning the lesson there, and maybe? Um, updating the amount of the kind of data that they get from from, from third parties and um, do they have the the mechanisms to to look at that and 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 operate on it. So it's I think the FCA is saying, you know, the the spirit of the FCA is coming out is this is a learning process. You know, we we never had a a, a global lockdown before. Um so it would be amazing if 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 nothing went wrong, but it's in the, this this sort of continuous process of of, of monitoring and, and and learning, and it's the firms that can show that they're monitoring and learning and, and making changes uh, on the back of that learning that I think are in the strongest position to uh, to, to, to 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 be compliant and 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 to be given the thumbs up by the FCA in future.
0: Okay, thank you. And William, what are your thoughts on the good practice guidance? Do you feel it's something that should be adopted as much as possible by the claims profession?
3: Uh, The easy answer to that is yes. and I think think, uh, my colleagues on the the podcast will probably agree with that, as as with the wider market. I think what, what the FSA has said is that their review identified good practices that they encourage firms to follow. Um, in areas where they felt short. I, I think for any any firm in this part of the market, you, one would be well advised to ensure that there are stakeholders within their businesses um, that are tasked with understanding what the good practice guide says, where the improvements can be made, where the lessons that we've learned for the future can be applied. Personally, I think that these thematic reviews of this nature by the SCA you can view them in one of two ways. But the way that I think that most firms will will adopt it, Molly, is that they will look at those specific recommendations in the good practice guide and say, how can we improve the service for our customers, the journey for our customers, um, and therefore improve faith that the consumer has in the market and specifically with regulated firms and insurers. So, the easy answer is yes, but I think the, the the trickier bit that flows from that is how these will be adopted, how these recommendations will be adopted, and how middle and senior leaders will will make their their day-to-day strategic actions a, a, a just a part of, and parcel of what of what they do, because this will need to be. Uh, sponsors and sponsored and led at a senior level within within most firms to ensure that the practices are adopted in accordance with the recommendations made.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean a, a lot of the guidance is very generalized. My recommendation is, you know, they're, they're good practice examples and examples of what are done wrong. My recommendation with the listeners to do an honest review and maybe a gap analysis of where they are. As a business, you know where are they putting the customers first? Um, you know what is a good customer outcome, and is that actually working effectively in your processes? And then also think about are you able to evidence this? And it comes back to the MI bit about external loss adjusters, etc. The benefit of doing this at this stage is it also nicely links in with the um, overlap around consumer duty coming in, where it's very much twisting it around and saying, can you prove your customer you know, your customers getting the right journey? So they are definitely starting to overlap, and there's a lot of work going into it. My, my suggestion is you do gap analysis now. Go from there.
3: I think I think just to add to what Richard said, uh, in in terms of some of these recommendations, some of them some of them really should be relatively simplistic to implement. Uh, one of the findings was that some firms did not have records of all of their policy wordings stored in a way that was easy for claims handlers to access or retrieve. Now, I started my career 27 years ago in the industry as a claims handler, and one of the first things I had to get to grips with was just the the vastness of of policy wordings and policy booklets and and so on. But if we think about all of those of us that are done our, our insurance exam to the CII and those really tricky insurance law exams. The contract goes to the root and the heart of, of, of everything the consumer is purchasing. And so the concept that claim timers are across the industry may have struggled to find the correct policy wordings, that would have just delayed some outcomes for customers. So I agree with everything Richard just said, but there are some really quick wins, some easy wins here uh, for, for regulated firms to take, and, and that's just one of them. Just make sure that your your claims handlers and your staff can instantly and immediately access the policy, um, which is something that perhaps wasn't always happening during the early throes of the pandemic.
2: And I think some of that is down to delegated underwriting as well. So if you're a claims function and you do outsource some of your. Um Underwriting you often don't actually have the wordings to hand and that can cause problems so again it's the communication links between yourselves and your underwriters whether they actually be underwriters in your own business or externally you've got to focus on that as well
0: okay thank you so Matt there were also examples of bad practice from the FCA could you tell us um, what these were
1: yeah so I think I think the the, the main ones were were really around um, keeping track of of smaller groups um in particular uh, people with with um Characteristics of, of of vulnerability, so you know insurers will will, will have had um, MI around uh, around claims and, and how claims were progressing, but I think particularly in in, in the in the micro insurance uh, market, um, again there's there's perhaps different ways of, of of looking at it. You can say it's the, the smaller part of a of, of a business market, and businesses you know take on different risks and and have different characteristics. Um, but another way of looking at it is to say that a lot of micro firms have, have just want Two people aren't that much different from from retail customers. Uh, And so issues that exist in terms of vulnerability. Um, can, can apply to to the very small firms just as much as they apply to to, to individuals and, and and households and and of course when the FCA has done its work on, on vulnerability it's concentrated a lot on on sort of long term issues um, like um, people in later life uh, and issues around sort of declining health and and dementia and, and and issues like that but vulnerability can also apply to to people who are in a very um, significant change in, in in circumstances, significant change in in financial circumstances, and and uh, if we think about people, you know, kind of running their own running their own businesses, um, high street businesses who who suddenly lose all their income. Um, there was a hiatus at the beginning of the pandemic where nobody really knew what kind of help would come from 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 governments, and and I think for firms to be able to think through how how micro businesses can. Contain people with characteristics of vulnerability, and and those characteristics can can spring up overnight. And equally, again, you know, the FCA said that that uh, a lot of insurers did the right thing in terms of, for example, uh, making making interim payments that, that allowed the business to to continue while that while the claim was being made. But as as Richard said, it's it's really about having. All your ducks in a row and and you know kind of really thinking through all those aspects of, of vulnerability as as an issue is, is unfolding uh how customers who, who may not have been vulnerable in the past are becoming vulnerable because of changes in circumstances uh, and then being able to show how that's that's changed the way for example firms communicate with with, with, with customers um during during the claims process. I mean, I, I tend to think
2: um, when customers, I know officially the definition of vulnerable, but when customers bring a claim, that's probably when they are at their most vulnerable. If you actually start at a really low view and think everybody that's coming through your door is potentially vulnerable, you are then better positioned to actually deal with in these sorts of situations. Good service is being able to be helpful to everybody and and, and you need to be able to provide good service to them whether they're vulnerable or not. But if you start with them, assume they're all vulnerable, then you Know you're starting at the lowest denominator, and it, I'm not really articulating this particularly well now, but it'll get you can't do worse than, than treating everybody as vulnerable, is probably what I'm trying to say.
0: Thank you. Um, So, based on that, how can firms use their learnings from the pandemic to better handle BI claims uh, in the future?
3: Molly, I could probably probably step in there because most of my career I've spent in general lines or personal lines. And Richard just raised a really good point about surge. So, we have weather surges. We're in the middle of one at the moment. We had a freeze event before Christmas. We had... Um, subsidence in the summer um, following the record temperatures so we, we take learnings from those all the time but a lot of the time the learnings are progressive they're experiences you've been through before but I think and Richard will correct me if I'm wrong I think the point Richard was making is, is that this is such an unusual circumstance what happened and so there's so much rich information that has come out of of that pandemic not just in in terms of stuff that's happened more widely with the regulator or regulators including the fca but in terms of claims handling customer outcomes customer interaction uh, there is quite a lot of learning there. if we hadn't had the pandemic then those recommendations might not sit there at the moment and so it's it it's almost a golden opportunity for, for firms to take that information and, and, and they can disregard it because it's, it's not being imposed upon them. But in reality, there's, there's so much rich, debt, rich stuff there that, that you can use to move your claims proposition forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got, I mean, you've got to have a plan for surges.
2: It's something that's very uncommon for commercial lines insurers, perhaps a lot more for personal lines. Um, and the other thing that I particularly learned about is proactive comms are key. So, you know, it's good for the customer journey if you're communicating with your customers regularly. Um, it also reduces practically the noise that your claims team are having to deal with from customers rigging up and, and causing problems, uh, asking questions when you could actually be focused on claims handling. I mean, and the other point around comms as well is just to ensure that they are appropriate. Um, I saw instances where comms were going out that are incredibly unclear or causing confusion. So, you know, aim to explain to brokers around how a claim will be handled. when you Then you're sending it to a policyholder direct. who just don't understand the lingo, vice versa. So it's about active comms to the right people at the right time active surge management, Uh, for commercial insurers, it's probably taken a lot of learns from what the personal lines insurers do regularly in winter storms, et cetera, that isn't as common for us that don't have a large property or motor books. Hopefully, though, we won't have too many instances of it to deal with in the future.
0: Okay, thank you. So the consumer duties on the horizon, Uh, how important is it for firms to be aware of these good and bad practices?
1: I think the consumer duty is relevant in in a couple of different ways. First of all, it's a piece of regulation that applies to both individuals and to um and to SMEs um, in, in a proportionate way. So, so it it applies to, to, to claims relating to business interruption and, and, and more widely as well. Uh, and I think the other thing about it is that the consumer duty uh is it's sort of principles-based and applies very widely across the the uh, the work that firms do. So for example, two of the four outcomes uh, under consumer duty is uh, one of them is customer support, so the the the, the kind of help that customers get um, during claims processes, uh, as well as businesses' conduct when they're when they're um, selling or recommending products. Um, so obviously, that's hugely relevant to this um, to this piece of work, and also requirement for for consumer understanding, um, make sure that that firms are, are doing everything they can and are learning from um experience with with improving consumer understanding and and the communications that 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 underpin it. And I think a lot of time people sort of ask about consumer duty, well what does it really mean? It's all just principles and outcomes and it's all very high level. Um, how can I relate this to to a day-to-day um situation? And I think sort of listening to, to Richard and William today, working through um, the, the recommendations from, from the FCA work on business interruption, and then thinking about how that, that applies um, on a day-to-day basis, that's a really good way into the consumer duty, which if you just read the literature can, can seem very, very generalised and high level.
0: Okay, thank you. William, can you tell us a bit about what the Society of Claims Professionals um, are doing to support members in ensuring that they're aware of the recommendations from the FCA and further good practice?
3: Yeah, sure, Molly. We're doing lots um, in the Society of Claims Professionals is the the honest, easy answer and the candid answer. Um, Obviously, we're doing this podcast right now. Which is something that I always personally enjoy and, and, and I like listening to the podcasts that my colleagues produce myself. It's just a different form of learning, an easier form of learning. So this podcast will go out to not just for the society acclaimed professionals, but anybody listening to this podcast. I would encourage them to pass it on to anybody else connected in the industry and that might find it of, uh, of use. Um, we'll continue to do these and we've got a lot of content planned in 2023 um, on the SOCP so there's a couple of journals that are going to go out this year and any update or information uh, all the changes we've talked about today and all, all of the lessons learned and, and the good and poor practices that will all go into the, into those publications in a timely manner we do a monthly um newsletter which uh again if there's any relevant updates to go at any point will be included in 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 those the present at events so we'll be at beaver in may um obviously you've got the annual conference later in the year and then we'll continue to um to send that kind of ad hoc publications as well there's there's plans for more ad hoc podcasts throughout the year um so so anything relevant to to this specific topic will go through any, any of those channels and uh, for anybody within the society claims professionals or any claims professionals across the wider market it's really important to kind of pass the pod um, and pass the message uh, as, as it were so I would encourage uh, everybody across the claims, claims sector and industry to do that
0: brilliant thank you um, and Richard uh, Williams just briefly touched upon this but what work is the society focusing on in the coming months
2: Sure. Well, Ashton West has written an excellent article for the uh, February Journal, uh, which sets out our plan. So if you've not read it yet, it's worth doing so. Um, really we're focused on trying to produce a range of materials as, as, as Will said, um, either ourselves or by our professional contacts that members can use to enhance their knowledge and, and experience in the market. Areas we're particularly trying to focus on really are um, ways of increasing consumer and customer trust. And then also trying to kind of help shape skills of, of claim, well, claim professionals for the future.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. And where can our listeners go to find out more?
3: They can go to CII Radio. We've got a Twitter page. We've got lots of feeds on the, the, on LinkedIn um, on the CII page. And I think uh, as the Society of claim professionals, we've got our own page as well. And then all of those things were listed in all the various publications that Richard and I referenced as well. So, but the easiest place, the quickest place is is social media. So, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, you can can kind of get a route to anything from there, really, Molly.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you all for sharing this information uh, and joining us on the podcast. It was great to meet you all.
3: It's a pleasure.
2: Cheers, guys.
0: And thank you for listening to this episode of CII Radio. To find out more, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk slash podcasts or follow us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, goodbye.